Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. If you would, grab your Bibles, take a look with us today in Acts chapter 2. You can follow along on uh, uh, version or on the screen as well as we stand together for God's Word and reading it this morning. Glad you've joined us on this 4th of July weekend. And uh, tonight, as you've heard already, if you're free, join us at the Uniontown Mall where We'll be, uh, our church will be hosting the family activities there for the fireworks over Fayette and uh, come and, and enjoy that time with us. We kick off a new series called We Are the Church and uh, excited today just to share. I want to look at Acts chapter 2 where it all began. The church started in Acts chapter 2 and uh, just before we read in verse 14 uh, this morning, uh, just set this up here that uh, Jesus had, had uh, ascended into heaven. And now 50 days after his resurrection, that's what Pentecost means. It was Pentecost when the church was birthed and it all began on Pentecost. And that literally means 50 days. Jesus had risen from the dead. And so 50 days later was Pentecost. But uh, 40 days uh, after his resurrection, he had ascended into heaven and he told his disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise that is given to you. And this is the promise that we speak of. And on that day, uh, 10 days after uh, that day, that uh, on the, the 50th day of Jesus' resurrection, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to go into the streets and speak in other tongues in the language of the people. And uh, there is where the church was birthed and uh, the, uh, the, the church began. And there were those in the streets who said, these people are drunk, they're crazy, they're out of their mind. Peter gets the opportunity to explain and set things in order. This is what Peter says. And I want to look at this scripture today in Acts chapter 2 verse 14. Peter steps up and Peter says this. He stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Look at somebody around you. Tell them I told you so. I don't know who needs to hear it. I don't know who it's for. But tell them I told you so. Verse 16. No, that, that which you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Lord will be saved. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, you believe that this morning? Father, I thank you today for your word that is a promise. We thank you, God, that you have, you have established the church and the privilege that we have to be a part of it. I ask God that you would just speak to our hearts as we share together today. By your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that today, would you just say amen? Amen. Amen. In honor of the 4th of July, I want you to find four people. Point your finger at them in the loving way that you can and just tell them you are in it. 
You are in it. You are in it. Find four people around you today before you're seated and just tell them today you are in it. You are in it. As we already mentioned, today is family day and so excited to have our 212 uh, kids with us. So grateful for uh, Pastor Bill and Joy and their leadership and the team that they're establishing to help uh, reach kids to reach their purpose. All of our 212 kids, grades 1 through 6, if you're here today, let's give it up for our 212 kids that are here. If you're near one of those, just high five them and say welcome, man. We're glad you guys are with us. Hopefully when you came in, you found a, you, you received one of these, and it is a follow-along sermon notes. If you're one of our 212 kids, hopefully you grab one of these. If you don't have one, if mom and dad have the, the YouVersion Bible app, it's also on the Bible app under the notes. You can follow with that as well. And what we'd love for you to do at the end of the service then is take this follow-along sermon notes to a, a, a lemonade stand that we have set up out, either out front or in the back. Take that to the attendant at the lemonade stand. Just show it to them. You keep it, but show it to them, and they're going to give you a gift to take home and just give you a hint. The gift is, a, is something that you can fidget with, okay? So that'll be something for you to take home with you, and uh, you get one of those. So all you got to do is follow along so you can help mom and dad pay attention today as we get into the sermon. How many ready to start the sermon this morning? Anybody ready to get into the Word today? Any 212 kids excited to get into the Word? and write in, fill in the answers. They're all busy getting ready to start. You are in it. Right in the middle of this as we look at uh, we are the church, what Christ has established and called us to be a part of. Right in the middle of the church, you are in it, that we get to be a part of it. I, I don't know if you've had this experience of being awoken, uh, being awakened in the middle of the night while you are sleeping and in a deep sleep and when you wake up, you're trying to figure out where you are and what's going on. How many know what I'm talking about? That might be a good sleep. When you wake up, you're like, wait, what day is it? Where do I have to be? What's happening? It could also be a panic at those moments. We were traveling some time ago, and it was a family trip. And, and uh, I, I think it was somewhere along South Carolina. We had stopped. We had driven as far as we could. The kids were much younger. So how many know when you have younger kids, you don't get as far as, uh, as you could or the older they get? And we're, we're driving as far as we can. And we stay in a hotel, and, and we're, we're crashing for the night. And, and I am tired. I had driven all day. We're crashing. We're, we're going to sleep. And all of a sudden, I remember in the middle of my sleep, waking up to the sound that really startled me. And the, the sound was to a scream within the back of it was metal clicking on metal. And I woke up in that moment and I'm thinking, wait, where am I? I'm in a hotel I'd never been before. And how many know it takes you some time to figure out where you are and what's going on? When I finally came to realize what was happening, Jalen our middle daughter, she was much younger. I, I think maybe she was about five or so. She was uh, standing at the hotel, the door of our hotel room, screaming, help, let me out of here, and trying to open the door. And fortunately, the latch was just high enough that it kept hitting the latch. When I finally realized it's my daughter screaming, let me out of here, I jumped over the second bed. I grabbed her by the waist, put my hand around her mouth, Do you know the panic of having someone answer the call? Hey, there's a girl stuck in that door in that room. She's sleepwalking, and I finally realize what's happening, and I calm her down. She goes back to bed, and the next day doesn't even realize she did a thing. I was grateful that no one responded. I mean, that would, you know, how do you, it was just, anyway. 
and also grateful the latch was just high enough that she was not able to reach that. And it took me some time to figure out what was going on, what's happening. Because when something happens out of nowhere, it's hard to respond properly when you're not sure where you are, who you are, and what's going on. It's hard to respond in that moment when it seems that you're trying to figure out what's, what's taking place. What is it that's, that's happening all of a sudden? And some of us know what it's like to have life and live what we think is the dream. And then in the moment of everything being the dream, something out of nowhere just comes and messes up what was our dream. Messes up what was what our reality and our hope and something coming out of nowhere and just turning everything around and having that difficulty. And in those moments, it's hard to get a grasp of who you are, what's going on, nothing that you planned for. It's not what you, what you saw coming. And in that moment, it becomes difficult. And recognizing this today is this, and, and, and our 212 kids, this is number one you can write down after you've written down what the title is. You are in it, and you've written down that it's in Acts chapter 2. And then this, this next thing writing down here this morning, that no matter what seems to, be, seems to come out of nowhere, whatever seems to be out of nowhere is always in God's plan to take you somewhere. Whatever seems to be out of nowhere, whatever seems to be out of nowhere is always in God's plan to take you somewhere because you and I know what it's like as we live life and things happen out of nowhere and the difficulties of life that come along and wondering where it is that, that's, that's, that's taking place and wondering what's going to happen because of this. But I want you to know today that nothing happens outside of God's knowing. There are things that might be outside of God's will, but it's never outside of God's knowing. I don't know if any of you have watched the TV show Chopped, and I think they have it even for kids on the Food Network. How many know? Wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Any uh, kids know you've watched, uh, well, if you're an adult too, maybe you've watched it too. I don't know. I, I, my kids uh, used to watch it, but it's kind of like anything. Over a while, after a while, it's not as popular as it once was, like fidget spinners. They're going to be gone soon, you know what I mean? So hurry up and get one and, and enjoy it while it spins on your finger because in about a couple of weeks, you're going to be the only one spinning it on your finger if you don't hurry up and get involved in this because how many know it comes quickly and leaves quickly? And this show, Chopped, uh, it's on the Food Network, and maybe you've seen it. And the idea is this, that you need to cook in front of a, a, a judges, and you have three contestants, and they pick which is the best dish. Now, what makes it exciting is that you have to use ingredients that they select. And some of the ingredients that I have seen that they have selected, and maybe you've watched it, have been weird things. That people have had to make a dessert using fermented soybeans. Why would you even want to do that? I've seen another one. They, they had to use uh, an ingredient called uh, or squid ink. Why would you put that in any food? I'm not sure. Now, this one's not as unusual for me because my grandfather would not waste anything on a pig. And that was pickled pig's lips. If you had a grandfather like mine, I mean, he would pickle anything left on that pig because it's going to be used in some way, some fashion. It's not going to waste. But can you imagine cooking with this? How many want to eat pickled pig's lips? Any, any 212 kids want to eat some pickled pig's lips? We got some of you like, yeah, I know what that's like. You've enjoyed it. You, you would see some of these things, and how could they even make a meal out of something like that? How could they even make something good using those things? But somehow someone knows how to work all the ingredients and put Put it in. You know, there's a God who knows how to work in our lives, and he can take even the ingredients that don't seem so pleasurable, 
And he's so good that Jesus is so good at what he does that he can take even the ugly ingredients of our lives and he can work those into a way that he knows how to make a meal and prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He knows how to bless. He knows how to work in every situation and everything that might come in our life that God is in control of all things, that he has a plan in place and he knows how to work it in your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah is speaking on behalf of God And he says to the people of Israel, he says this, and you can find this on your notes and and fill this scripture in, and it's right there on the screen as well. But Jeremiah says to Israel, he says to them that, that they're supposed to surrender to Babylon. He says to the king, he says, just surrender to Babylon because it's gonna go better for you to just surrender. The king didn't wanna hear that. But of course, he's speaking on behalf of God. And even though this isn't the ideal situation, it's not what you like. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, And you may have heard this word before. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God knows the plans that he has for you. He say right now, God, the things that are happening in my life, I didn't see this coming. This isn't what I anticipated. This isn't what I was looking forward to. This wasn't all on my list. This came out of nowhere. God says this might have been out of your nowhere, but I've already been working. I knew what was coming. I'm in control. I know how to work this out to give you a hope and a future. How many are glad today that we have hope? That we have a hope. And here's what hope is. Hope is this sense of everything's going to be okay. You know what it's like when you feel hope? Hope is, there are moments where you sometimes don't feel hope because something that you were hoping for has either been taken or something has fallen in a difficult place, and it feels that there's no hope. But here's the important thing, is that hope is always around as long as you have it in the right place or the right person. And the right person is Jesus Christ. You see, because you can put your hope in finances, but how many know finances can come and go? You can put your hope in relationships and circumstances and situations. But here's why I have hope. I have hope today for this reason. I have hope because God has a plan. You can write that one down on your notes as well. I have hope because God has a plan. The only reason I have hope is because God has a plan. You know when it feels like everything's falling apart? It feels good when someone steps into my chaos and says, that's all right, I know how to help with this. It's good to have people in our lives that come along and say, hey, I can help you with this. I can be here. I can help you in this situation. There is a God, and his name is Jesus Christ, who shows up in our world and in every circumstance of our life and says, I know how to help with this. I've got a plan. And because God has a plan, I have hope this morning because of the plan that he has for my life, that there is a hope. You say, we're talking about the start of the church, and so why would we talk about being people who are affected by things happening out of nowhere, and what's that have to do with the start of the church? What's that have to do with the church? Here's what it has to do with the church, and that is this, that the purpose of the church, the purpose of the church is to give hope or to show hope to a world that is lost and show a world that there's hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to show hope to a world, is to to show the world that there is hope found in Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the church, that we would shine hope 
to a world that is around us. That's why we are a church. That's why, when I say church, I'm not talking about faith assembly right here in Uniontown. I'm talking about the church which exists in every part of the world, in different countries, in different denominations, different people groups, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord. We're not a church because we come to the building. We are a church because we have believed on Jesus Christ and his power lives on the inside of us. Is there anyone a part of the church today who believes in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us to do what he desires in our world? The church is meant to show the world hope because there's a world that lives with a lot of things that they didn't see coming. There's a world that's trying to figure it out. You know what it's like because we live in the world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We're affected by the same things that affects the world, but our hope is anchored in Jesus Christ that we have a hope that is eternal. This is our job, the job of the church, that when we come together is to show the hope of Jesus Christ to the world that's around us. You are in it. Do you know that? You're in it. I want to give you some things today to see God's plan that he's been putting together, and I want you to see you're in it. Here's number one. First one you can write down in the, the first point of, of, of what it is that we're in. Number one is this, that you are in his pre-plan. You're in his pre-plan. You are in his pre-plan. Before time began, God knew what was taking place in your life. Do you realize there's nothing that's ever happened in your life that's been a surprise? In fact, nothing has ever taken God by surprise. I, maybe our 212 kids, you can find that and write that in there as well, that nothing ever takes God by surprise. You know, there's nothing that's ever happened in your life, and all of a sudden, God got scrambled on the throne and said, oh, my goodness. I mean, what's God say? Oh, my, I mean, he can't, what is he? Oh, me. Oh, me. He has never said that. God has never gotten shaken or scrambled on the throne and said, how am I going to figure this out? He knew from the very beginning. You see, because even before we knew what to ask, God already knew the answer. He says that he knows our need before we even ask it, before we even say what we need. God knows the circumstances and situations and things that are coming about in our life. We have been in his pre-plan. The Bible says this in the scripture that we read. It said, no, these men are not drunk as you would think. They're not drunk or crazy. What you see was predicted long ago. Somebody say predicted. Predicted just simply means this. God knew before it happened. God knew before it happened. Let me tell you why that's good news. Because how many have ever had something happen that you didn't like in life and it happened and you didn't like it? It makes you upset. It bothers you. It can, it can give us ulcers. We can worry ourselves. It can keep us from sleeping. It can do a lot of bad things in our life. But here's the hope I have. I can say, God, I didn't see this happening, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad you're still in control. I'm glad that even though I didn't know how this would come or how to respond to this, I'm glad you're still in control. You're still um, in, in control of what's going on in my life, that I can trust you, that this is a part of your pre-plan. Now, I want you to catch this. Because number two is this, that you are in God's perfect plan. His pre-plan, but you're also in his perfect plan. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, that seems hard to believe because if I'm in God's perfect plan, I've already messed it up because I am not perfect. Unless you tend to think you are, then you're in a different category. But how many would recognize that if God has a perfect plan, that we've already messed it up? Right? Because we're not perfect. But here's the good news. You take it all the way back to Adam and Eve. It was not God's will for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit. It was not his will for them to disobey. I mean, let's be real. 
God's will is not for us to disobey his word. His will is for us to obey his word. But here's what his grace and his mercy does. He says, they might not act according to my will, but I'll send Jesus. And Jesus was not an afterthought. He was the plan from the foundation of the world. Jesus was the plan from the very beginning because God knew we would not be perfect. So he sent his son who is perfect so that even though we don't operate according to God's will, his grace comes and covers us so that even though we might not be in God's will, we can still be in God's perfect plan because of Jesus Christ, because we believe on Jesus Christ. How many are thankful that Jesus opened the door for us to be a part of his perfect plan, even though we're not perfect people? Only a good God who has such a great plan for our life could put this together. That he knew we would mess up from the very beginning, but he sent Jesus from the very beginning. He said, I'm going to make man. I want to have a loving relationship with with individuals. I know they're going to sin. I know they're going to hurt me. I know it's going to be difficult, but I love them so much that I'm sending my son. I'm sending me to come and to live among them, to walk among them, and to pay a price so that my plan might be accomplished. God loved you so much that he made it worth it to say you and I, to have a relationship with you and I that he sent himself to make it possible to have that relationship it's been a part of his perfect plan his perfect plan that even though we're imperfect people Romans 8 28 this is my wife's favorite verse and I love it with her but there's two verses behind it as well listen what it says and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing. Notice here, God didn't do anything but give. He didn't say, well, you've got to do this first. You've got to come and do this. He just kept giving and giving. How many know he's such a good God that just keeps giving? He keeps giving, he keeps pouring out. And he says this, he says, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Whoa. He gave them his glory. Here's what glory is. The the word glory means to be a heavy weight, but not in a bad way. A heavy weight of being so full of God's presence, of his love. How many know if you have a lot of good stuff, it's never too heavy? How many know what I'm talking about? If you can get a lot of chocolate and peanut butter, Reese's Pieces, I mean, no, it's never, it's never too much. It's, if it's good stuff, you can never get too much. And how many know God's presence is good stuff? You can never get too much. And he wants his glory. He wants to put his glory on you and I, his glory on us. He wants his glory. And here's what that glory, it's not just heavy, but here's what it means to have great value. He has given us his glory. Glory. You know what that means? That means he sees value in every single one of us. He sees value in every single one of us. You may not have been planned by certain people in your life, but how many know God has always had a plan from the very beginning? It may have not been the plan for, for whatever circumstance and situation, but God knew you're, you're coming. He knew where you would be. This is not an accident. He sees you with value. I want you to see so much value that he says that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And hear who's he, who he's going to pour his spirit out. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on sons and daughters. Let me just take a poll here. Raise your hand if you're a son. Raise your hand if you're a daughter. 
All right, he said, I'm gonna pour it out on my sons and my daughters. And he said, also, your young men will see vision and your old men will dream dreams. How many are young? I'm gonna leave it at that right there. We'll just <laughs> stop at that. He said, and not only on your sons and daughters, but the young and the old. And he said, and even your servants. Men and women, he has drawn a circle that I want you to know today, if you are here and you are listening and you hear me or you just have eyes to see, if you have a heartbeat today, you qualify. You are a son or a daughter, you're young or you're old, or you're a servant, whatever it is, he has qualified you that he says to you that you're a part of his perfect plan and it is for all people. You can write that in under number two, that it is for all people, that God wants this to be for all people. You are in it. He's had this plan from the very beginning. And when he planned the church, when he planned the world, when he planned to have a people who would be the church that he could spend eternity with, you were in his plan. He had you planned all along. You're in his pre-plan. You're in his perfect plan. Let me give you the last one as the worship team comes to help us close. But you don't have to put your sheets away because you can still fill those out. Here's Here's the last one. You are in his master plan. Here's the master plan. Something that's a master plan is the full picture and completion. This is the master plan, the final project, the final product. And here's what the master plan looks like because he says in verse 20 that there are gonna be some events in the heavens, that there's gonna be the sky or the, 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 the sun will go dark and the moon will be red and these things will happen in the heavens. Now, the people who would have heard Peter preaching would have been able to know that because they were there when Jesus was crucified. And in the afternoon, seven weeks prior, on the day Jesus was crucified, on that Good Friday, the Bible says that the sky became dark. And these people would have known and said, yeah, there's things happening in the heavens. There's stuff that is going on. And he says that before that, that these things will happen in the heavens, before that great and glorious day of the Lord. Before the great and glorious day of the Lord. What is the great and glorious day of the Lord? It is the day that the master plan that God has, that it all comes down to this. You see, your however many years of life that you're gonna live, they matter. But none of them matter as much as your last one. However many years God gives you in days, none of them will matter as much as your last one. Here's why. Because on that day, what will matter is that in order for that day, that great and glorious day of the Lord, it will either be a day of judgment or a day of salvation. And the difference is where we end up with Jesus Christ. You see, on that great and glorious day, here's the master plan. The master plan is God says, I want to spend eternity with the people that I've created. That's my master plan. You're in the master plan. And the master plan is on that great and glorious day. But here's the difference. That great and glorious day will either be judgment or that great and glorious day will be salvation. You see, because on the night just a couple weeks ago in downtown Pittsburgh, the streets were filled with people celebrating because another Stanley Cup had been hoisted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. There was a, yeah, and some of you are like, yeah, we're Pittsburghers. Absolutely, we are. And if you like any other team than a Pittsburgh team, we can pray for you right now. The altars are open. 
And uh, we believe for redemption and salvation in Jesus Christ. I'm being facetious because we all know it. sports means very little. But here's my point. People in Pittsburgh celebrated on that day. But guess what they were doing in Nashville? They weren't celebrating in Nashville. They were weeping. And guess what they're doing in Washington, Capitals? I got to throw that in there. My brother-in-law's a Capitals fan, and so I'd like to just remind him that they wept in D.C. because the Capitals did not win. Wait, is that wrong of me? The Lord will forgive me. It's okay. Here's my point. Rejoicing and weeping happened on the same day. It all depended what side you're on. It just comes down to what side are you on? Will that day be a day of rejoicing or will it be a day of mourning? Will it be a day of judgment or will it be a day of sorrow or of rejoicing, of salvation? Because here's what he says, and this is the last thing you can fill in there. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That day will either be a day of judgment or a day of salvation, but whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You believe that today? I am grateful to God that he has a plan all along that I'm in it. I'm in it. If you go to Matthew chapter 16, Peter, who is the one who steps up here to speak to the people, Peter is now with Jesus Before this time, and in Matthew 16, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says to them, who do people say that I am? And some of the disciples said, oh, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, come back from the dead. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? I wish I could come to every single one of you and and just make eye contact with you and say, who do you say he is? Because I know you could say, well, my dad told me or my church is this, or I've done these things. But no, who do you say that he is? I didn't ask you what church you go to, where were you baptized, none of that. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter speaks up. Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus says to Peter, how blessed are you, Peter. Man didn't reveal this to you. Man didn't tell you this. You didn't just get this from your dad or your dad's dad or someone told you. You didn't get this from man, but you got this from my Father in heaven. And then he says to Peter, he says, and I'm telling you who you are. Do you know when we live in life and we don't know who we are because things happen out of nowhere, right? And when something happens out of nowhere, all of a sudden we're like, wait, who am I? Where am I? And everything I thought I knew, I don't know what I used to think I knew. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody? The stuff I thought I knew, I don't know because it came out of nowhere. And when you feel like you're in life's moments of it's happening out of nowhere, let me tell you the difference. Here's what Peter teaches us right here. That the only way for you to know who you are is to first know who he is. Because when Peter said, you are the son of God, God, Jesus then said to Peter, that's right, and you are Peter. You'll never know who you are. You'll always live lost in a world until you first know who Jesus is. Only when you're able to say, you are the son of God, are you able to hear him say, you're right, and your name is Peter, and upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you want to know who you are in this world, world you got to know who Jesus is if you want to know who you are in this world it first starts with knowing who Jesus is so let me ask you who is he to you who do you say that he is he then says to Peter 
upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he says, and Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Wait a minute. Some people think that God is looking for people to rule over. And it's hard for them to come to God because they feel like God's just a big bully up in heaven waiting to rule over them. He rules over me, but God is not looking for people to rule over. He's looking for people to rule with. He's looking for people to rule with. He wants to have relationship with you. The church is about Jesus, but not period. The church is about Jesus, and that is truth in, a, in itself, but it's missing something. Because if the church is about Jesus, period, we miss it because here's why. The church is about Jesus being displayed to a world that is lost. That's what the church is about. The church is not just for Jesus, yes, but how many know his desire is that the church would shine who Jesus is in our world. Ephesians, this isn't on your notes, but Ephesians 3.10, go and read. It says the purpose of the church from the beginning of time was that God might display his wisdom through the church that the unseen principalities would see his, ver his variety of wisdom and his great works that they would display to the world that is here that is seen but even to the unseen world the principalities over this air over this place that we would display Jesus to our world he wants to give us the keys to the kingdom God isn't looking for people to rule he's looking for people to rule with oh he's still God he's going to rule over me absolutely but how many know that when I put him in the proper place in my life, I get to rule with him. I get to have relationship with him. I get to rule and reign with him forever. That's what he's called us to do. He's given us keys. He's given us keys. Last night, my, we, we're planning for a graduation party. And so we're in this place of finding all the pictures we have. And uh, so our girls don't graduate yet. Jaren's the first one, but we've gone through all the pictures that we have, and now we're ready for all three of them to graduate now. I mean, it's like, I said to Jody, let's just do a graduation party for all three of them. Get it over with right now. We're just, we're just ready. We knew there were some pictures, and hey, we're looking for this one picture, and I, I have some of these files that are these SD cards, and you know, just how many know through the years, uh, those of us that had digital babies, you know, uh, all the pictures we have for our kids, they're on files somewhere, you know, or on a, they're saved somewhere. We don't print them out like we used to. And, and if you're looking at me like I'm a horrible father, then I'm sorry I'm the only one that does that. But uh, I'm looking for these files and, and this SD card. And I know I had some in, in this bag that I haven't checked for a while. Last night I came in because we've gotten into this thing now. The, the kids are, especially the girls, they, they want to look at all the pictures and reminisce and laugh. And, and I'm okay with it till I read certain things that make me like, okay, put it away. We're done. Put it away. We're done. But I came in and I was looking for this one SD card. And I checked this bag that I have and haven't used this bag for a long time. And just last night, I go into that bag and I pull out whatever's in there. And in that bag, I find these keys. I looked at this and I thought, whose keys are in here? It has a Planet Fitness tag. It's not mine. I know that. I've never even stepped inside Planet Fitness. I can tell you where it is, but I don't have no black card on my keys. But I looked at these keys and I'm like, that key looks familiar. I took it home. And instead of using my key, I used this key. 
It opened the front door of my house. I saw this key, so when I came to church today, it opened the front door of the church. That means this key will open the downstairs rooms. This key will open the inside pantry of the Family Life Center. This key, I have no idea what that key is. This key goes to my house. This key opens up a a storage room. This key goes to the front door of the church. This isn't my fitness, Planet Fitness card. Someone was given keys because they belonged to my house. Someone in my house was given keys, and I gave keys to somebody. But unfortunately, instead of that somebody in my house who didn't do anything to earn it, they just, my family member. That what I have access to, I gave access to them. I said, hey, what's mine is yours. You're part of me. And I gave them keys. But unfortunately, someone thought, not that important. I don't even know who had the keys and lost them. Now I can, it's down to two people. So <laughs> I didn't even ask anybody yet. I just saw that. And last night as I'm praying, I'm like, oh God, that's an illustration right there. Because you've given us keys to the kingdom. And I want you to hear this today. Salvation is not for you to earn. It is for you to reject. I want you to hear this. You have the privilege of rejecting what Jesus said, hey, I'm making this available to you. And you have the privilege of rejecting because who did he make it available to? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here today and you say, Jason, well, I can't earn it yet. I haven't done enough good. I want you to know it's not yours to earn. It's only yours to reject. Which means then it's yours to say, I'll receive it, and I'll take that. I know who you are, and I know who I am. I'm in your plan. Nothing in my life shakes you, and I know you've given me keys, and the road might be rocky, the terrain might get long, but I know you're in control, and I'm just going to hold on to the keys because I know the one who is leading me, who is guiding me, who has taken me, his master plan will be accomplished in my life. So I want you to say today, hey, he's holding the keys out. He's holding the keys out for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, you're here today and maybe you have not made yourself a part of God's plan. You're a part of his plan, but have you accepted that and said to him today, God, I receive your plan of salvation. It's been your plan all along. You loved me from the beginning of the world and you say today, God, I recognize And if that's you, you say today, I'm making a decision for Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, right where you are, would you just raise your hand? Right where you are today, you say today, I'm putting my fit. Yeah, is there anyone else this morning? Come on, yeah, amen, God bless you. Is there anyone else? Yeah, come on, there's hands going up all over the place. Yeah, is there anyone else today? You say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Man, we're so excited for you. We're going to pray this prayer together, and then we're going to celebrate with you. Because this is the most important thing. I know God cares about the difficulty in my life. He does. 
He cares about my health. He cares about my finances. He cares about those things in my life. But none of that matters compared to this. Where will I be with Jesus when I breathe my last breath on this earth? It doesn't matter if I've got a healthy body or a broken body. All that matters more than that is that my faith is in Jesus Christ. That I know who he is and I know who I am in him.